Advisory services offered through Prime Capital Investment Advisors, LLC, PCIA, a federally registered investment advisor, Overland Park, Kansas. The following or preceding commentaries and responses are the opinions of Jason Noble, Andy Merchant, and their guests, and are not necessarily the opinions of PCIA, are for informational and educational purposes only, and are not and should not be considered investment advice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Welcome to 20 Minutes of Clarity, the podcast that focuses on strategies and ideas to answer the wealth questions you have, hosted by Prime Capital Wealth Advisors Jason Noble and Andy Merchant. As wealth advisors, they've spent years navigating the complex world of finance and wealth management for their clients. Each week, they share practical tips and insights to help you achieve your financial goals. Whether you're looking to start a business, build your investment portfolio, or simply improve your personal finances, the next 20 minutes promises to be informative, engaging, and most importantly, actionable. 20 Minutes of Clarity starts now. Yeah, I'm really excited about our conversation we're going to have today, Andy. You know, we talk at least two to three times a week and dropping off our kids at school in the morning and just talking through like some of the conversations we had in the prior day or the prior week. And we felt like it was best to just bring it to the forefront and just, you know, have two professionals go back and forth on some common questions that we're hearing. And, and I find it to be very interesting that we could be working in different uh, parts of our great country and hearing similar questions. But right now, one of the questions that I'm hearing quite a bit, I'm going to pose it to you and we're going to kick this back and forth a little bit is how can I optimize my investment portfolio to maximize returns and minimize risk? Well, what a, what a great question just to load me up with right on a general conversation. But, you know, I mean, we've been talking so much about, you know, how do we reposition clients portfolios? And I know we just spent a great week uh, at Prime Week a few weeks ago. And uh, I know we, we got a little bit of slack on the wonderful coding of PPP. And, uh, you know, when you're really thinking about it, right, Jason, you and I talk all the time. How do we how do we really take traditional approaches and mindset that that our clients have and then maybe think it a different way, right? We're in a different world, a different economy. Um, and so ways that I know you and I are talking about, I mean, I'm talking a lot about when I talk about PPP, I'm talking about public market exposure. I'm talking about some of your assets need to be protected, you know, and we've talked about how, how those that are accredited investors, um, you know, need to have some private market investments. And especially now in this world, it's there. And, you know, an interesting kind of factor that I want to throw in and and let's let's throw this back and forth. But uh, I tell clients all the time, you know, it's important to have public market allocation. Why? It's available. It's a good place to have return. Uh, We haven't been in an environment where the bank accounts have been friendly for us. Right. And uh, so public markets is where we go for the long haul. Um, You know, the benefits of the public market is it does have liquidity. Right. It's got some other opportunities to to look at historical information. Um, but that comes with our key fun word of volatility. So when we're talking risk transfer and diversification, um, the volatility is what uh, you get in the public markets. And well, you get you get that volatility as well, Andy, because of the of the availability and that liquidity. I mean, yeah. there could be a run on a mutual fund like there's a run on a bank, right? Like the mutual fund manager could be doing a decent job, but then people are just divesting out because they need the money or whatever, or they're just trying to market time or manage risk who knows but they could have they will have to start selling off positions before they want to driving down further the the redemptions or even down the position of the net asset value of the mutual fund so not to get too geeky but that liquidity 
there's a pro and a con to that liquidity. And we see that in the, in the public markets. And that's where risk management really comes into play. But then let's talk about private markets. How do private markets come into play as far as overall risk management of a strategy? Well, yeah, I mean, and, and everything is, you know, everything comes with risk, right? We, we can't ever, we can't escape it. We can, uh, we can either fully have it through liquidity we talked about, but the private markets, you know, especially if we're, if we're talking to our audience of, of accredited, you know, investors, which is determined, right? You got to make sure you have enough, of, uh, enough income or, or net worth that the government and the higher rules officials tell us what we can, cannot be in. But, you know, the benefit of private markets is that they're not correlated. Right. And, and correlation is if the markets go up and down because of all the news and the reaction that people have, you know, the, the public markets don't don't get exposed to that. They're audited um, on a on a schedule. Uh, there's some opportunity in there. Um, they usually have some holding period. So you buy a company for a private equity and you sell it or you own real estate and you own it, make some income along the way. Um, so the private market is really it has really been able to take a soften some of that volatility is where I'm going with it. Right. Um, and it's, it's, it's an important part of portfolios. You know, funny thing, Jason, I'm jumping real quick. We had a great partner that we work with, with one of our private equity partners was here in Wichita and was talking about the, the value add or the reason why private private markets make sense or the part of someone's portfolio. And his big comment, he had a great stat. I wish we could pull it up. We might've put it in the meeting notes, but just the fact of, the number of companies that are staying public or, or I'm sorry, staying private or going private more than they ever had. Right. Yes. So mm-hmm. why would you want to, you know, in the past, you think about it, a private company would go public for what reason, right? For liquidity, you know, you, you IPO it, they're trying to get the highest price and then it goes into the market. In fact, who was it? Uh, I just saw a company, I'm about to look it up. They just want to bring it all back in house just to take away the market volatility of their stock price. And so companies today are moving back to the private space because they have more control of their balance sheet and more importantly, their audience. Yeah, um, we have seen that contraction in the private markets. Like a number of listed company stocks on the U.S. market in 1976 was 4,796. So just to say 4,800. In 2019, that was 3,643. So a, a rather significant reduction in public markets. So what are they doing? They're staying private longer or not even going into the public market. Mm-hmm. And going back to portfolio diversification, you're talking, I, I like what you said about risk and return, but there was a study done by JP Morgan Asset Management that looked at annualized volatility and returns from 1989 through September of 2021 by allocating 30% in in private markets. And what they were able to show and look at through this long period of time was that additional diversification lowered the risk and improved the returns on these strategies. So using public and private assets was able to show how to navigate through this. Now, the other component that they did not discuss, but I think is part of important of our conversation, which is the third P, which is protection. Drop some knowledge on me on, on the protection side, because I think this is an important topic. Well, it is, right? And, and, and the protection has just kind of been beat up over the years. You know, um, it, we both know it. You know, the annuity word um, is usually not a good word in our industry. You know, usually, right, we both sit there and we talk about clients that need annuities or, or insurance. Um, when it boils down to it, you know, clients need to find a, a way to transfer the risk to somebody else. 
right? And that's that's more challenging. You think about the public market, you put it in, it comes out, you take the risk of anything that doesn't work out to your benefit. Um, same with private markets. You know, not all private deals are going to work out, but you burden the risk. So how do we bring that into the conversation has been, you know, uh, I know more out there and annuities are kind of the quick and simple, easy solution. I know you and I have participated. There's a lot of differences there, but, you know, outside of just that, right, I've, we've seen, we're starting to see structured notes, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and we'll talk more about that. You know, we're starting to see some downside protection markets where you can actually buy an investment strategy, right, that that you don't burden the first, you know, 10 or 15% of the downside of some index strategy, but you got to commit to it. So that's the key thing, I think, around protection is com- protection strategies of the P are committed. You know, normally they're not liquid. Um, they're, they're not illiquid. We just have rules to follow. Yeah, they're and, like semi-liquid. You get access to some, but not majority, and you got to wait certain periods of time. And it's because of that protection that's being provided by the company. You know, I, I mean, there's nothing that's going to fit all the boxes, right? Could low yeah. risk, high return, and full liquidity. If that was the case, everybody would do it. Why not just do that? And no one could tell us what's going to happen in the future. So having your money diversified between those three Ps is something that we talk about. You and I both talk about um I would say on a consistent uh, basis. And this is a a second question that I get. Should I consider alternative investments such as private equity, hedge funds, or real estate? I'm going to kick it over to you, Andy. What are your thoughts? Uh, Whatever you know, right? I mean, I think Warren Buffett's always known, invest in what you know, Um, you know, and then that's the best way to manage risk. And so, I mean, if you're in a market and you've got, if your center of influence, your circle um, is real estate professionals, then go to what you know. Um, you're going to have a lot, right? I tell clients all the time, you're going to be more comfortable and willing to let the strategy play through because nothing we do is an overnight sensation, right? Everything we do is always going to be long-term. So stick to what you know. Um, you know, private equity makes a lot of sense right now just because if companies are being bought by a private equity group, right, they're being bought because they need liquidity. And so they need to sell. And if you can, if you need to do anything, you usually are not going to get what you would want your want price, as I tell people. And so, um, so I mean, when answering that question, you know, hedge funds are good. You can get some public exposure. Um, they do come with a little bit higher cost, but stick to what you know. Um, you know, we got to do, we got, I heard it, the multifamily uh, boom is going on right now. I'm sure every single person that would ever listen is seeing multifamily uh, uh between duplexes to quadplexes to apartments being built in their communities uh, across the country. We're seeing them all over the place. And there's some really great returns and some opportunity if you want to own a real asset. Uh, But you got to know who the people are and the opportunity. But, you know, I hear what you're saying, but this is where people rely on professionals that know how to go about this. In, In Richest Man in Babylon, if you haven't read the book, it's a phenomenal book. It even goes in there and says, surround yourself with people who are familiar with money, who work with it each day and who makes lots of it. Enjoy life while you're here. Do not overstrain to save. And I find that to be very important where if you don't know enough about private markets, surround yourself with people who do professionals. I'm not talking about the person that's at the country club. Okay, that's saying, hey, I got a hot deal. No, no, run that through your professional and knows how to vet these things. It's so important. You know, I was talking to Tim Hakes, our good friend earlier today, actually, about the private markets and some of the things that he was seeing. 
He was like, let's say I'm working with like a business owner. Well, they typically like to go into the private markets because they know, how, you know, how to evaluate it and be a part of it. So it goes with what you were saying earlier, Andy. But he goes, but my job is like, you know, if we're going to allocate, let's say $5 million to private investments, that could take us three to five, six years to do so and do it right. It, so we know what we're moving towards. It's just the timing of when the deals come through that actually meet our criteria to then be able to execute within it. And I think that's such an important point that we got to get conveyed. Do you have any other, do you have any additional top of, top and talking points about this topic specifically? Well, yeah. I mean, why don't you throw in, you know, I mean, you, you look at this too, but, and, and again, for a completely different segment, but the, the added tax benefits, I mean, um, you know, when you look at it, the goal of investing is to increase your portfolio assets over a set period of time based on your risk profile. But sometimes and many times we don't take into account. I mean, when on your, when on your statement, do you see gross return, net tax return? Um, you know, never. Uh, that would be interesting. And if you start to factor in inflation and other these these other, um, you know, influencers to your to your statement, it's got to it's got to bridge beyond the statement. And and so when you're talking about what our topic is today that we talked about, how do you optimize a portfolio? I think the number one thing that you kind of hit on was it takes time. You know, you know, we you and I start with everything that we center around as our as our clear picture approach. Right. And clear picture takes into sense why we started with PPP. Um, having a good understanding of where a client's assets are located helps us determine where they should be. And that helps us to your point of how do we over the next two, three years or whatever time frame incorporate either the downside protection strategy or add in some of that stuff. But we got to start with the foundation and, and that's the most important. And then we can look at all the benefits. A good friend of mine always has said, you know, uh, features are, are for information, benefits are what people buy. And, um, you know, and at the time we, we focus so much on features, sometimes we, we miss the benefits and taxes are a huge benefit when it comes to optimizing your portfolio. Is my right. point. I wasn't planning on having this conversation today, but let's jump into it because you, you brought up taxes. And <laughs> question I keep on getting is what are, what are some of the most effective tax planning strategies for high net worth individuals? Uh, well, let me tell you, the, the only strategy that I see, and, and this is, a, again, um, what we, you and I talk about, right? But um, I'm sticking to the traditional. I mean, there's a lot of strategies, but the number one strategy is have a tax strategy. Just to uh, have one. Just, just to, to have, have one. one. Yeah, I mean, think about it right now. If you're listening to this today, we're talking to our clients. You and I both have it. I mean, most people don't sit down and say, I have a tax strategy. How do I now implement my wealth strategy to my financial plan? to my investment strategy, right? Our, our, our traditional approach is let's talk about an investment strategy and then figure out how it fits into my tax strategy and my wealth strategy and my financial planning strategy. You know, mm -hmm. so we have to start with taxes first, especially if you're a higher net worth individual out there. Um, let's start with income, you know, because again, not giving tax advice because, you know, you and I decided on different designations than the CPA. And that's why we have some great partners that will always help us out. But um, but income's a big part of it. If you're if you're a high income earner, um, what do they call Henry's? Um, you know, uh, you, you have less opportunity to reduce taxes through an investment strategy. I mean, you talk all the time, right? What are you what are you reserved to? I mean, what can, what can, how can you reduce taxes if you have W two income? 
there are there are things that are out there and this is where we we review it through the clear picture analysis you know and having that conversation um yeah and so when i present those ideas and solutions and it does take time to execute and implement this is where we build a team of professionals around our clients like i will go okay let's work with your accountant and then I have the conversation with the accountant. Oh my goodness gracious. I will say when I find one that actually knows what they're talking about, it is so refreshing. There's so many, there's really good accountants out there, but I will say I've had conversations with accountants and I'm going back to the client going, we got to find you a new account because this person had no idea what I was even talking about. And it's their, it's their job. This is their job, right? And, and, and like what percentage of the internal revenue code is written for how to pay taxes versus how to lower taxes. Do you remember what we talked about? I think earlier uh, this week. Yeah, I did. I looked at the percentage, but I think that I think the overwhelming consensus is that the the tax code's made up of about five thousand pages, and like I think four thousand nine hundred ninety five are how to reduce taxes, and the uh, and the five are about how to collect taxes. So you know, the tax code was built as a partnership with the U.S. government. If you think about it, if they want houses built, what do they do? They give you a house benefit. If they want energy production, they give you drilling credits, right? And so if you can understand the tax code and have a really good tax partner that understands you, man, you're, that, that whole opportunity board from an investment standpoint is expanded beyond just buying a good stock portfolio that you get the benefit of tax loss harvesting, if you want to call it a benefit, um, you know, on the years the portfolio is down, it's extremely important, but. Oh, when you say, if you want to call it a benefit, let me, let me give an example, right? So I have this, uh, awesome couple who are going to be selling their business for about $4 million in profit in the next three to four years. And so we started an aggressive tax loss harvesting strategy using actually two different approaches. One was very aggressive in uh, looking at the sectors of the economy and capturing losses where we could, which is for a longer term goal, but then also direct index investing, which is something that high net worth clients are asking me about more and more and I bring into their attention. But by both doing the tax loss harvesting, with the money that they have, there's a good chance that we're going to be able to off, uh, get pass forward uh, losses up to two, two and a half million, according to their accountant, right? That 20% on the capital gains on four million versus you know, 2 million or one and a half million. That's a game changer. That's more money in their pocket, less than uncle Sam's. And then what we could do with the rest of the money that's subject to that is we could do other things to defer those taxes and spread it out over a period of time. But I couldn't even start the conversation unless we had a really good tax loss harvesting approach to then be able to offset the capital gains taxes from the business sale. So we talked about W2, right, Andy, but then also business owners, I got to tell you, you, you mentioned all the pages of the IRC that are written about taxes uh, or about tax mitigation. How many of those pages, right? And I don't, I don't expect you to know the percentage, but how many How many was written for business owners well, versus W-2? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the majority of it's there. Um, and, and so really understanding, yeah, is taxes. And, and back to your earlier point on all this stuff, you know, just like developing a private investment strategy, how long is it going to take you to realize that tax loss harvest strategy, you know, through direct indexing, it doesn't happen again overnight. I mean, so it, no, every, no, nothing worth doing is going to happen overnight. It's going to be a plan, a strategy, uh, uh, and it's going to take time. 
But it's that conversation, it's the communication, it's that transparency, it's making sure that we're aligned with our clients, I think is so important. And it's through our clear picture approach, it's just providing that clarity, making what could be opaque, clear, by just yeah. providing the transparency and then having the conversations like what we just had. Well, my name is Jason Noble. Andy Merchant joined me today on 20 Minutes of Clarity. We're going to do more of these conversations because we want you to hear what two professionals are talking about when we're not in front of our clients, just talking with each other, spitting back and forth ideas and scenarios. You heard things that we agreed on, and there's also things that we had adjustments on. That is Andy and I's relationship. We are always challenging each other to get better, and you're going to hear us more on this podcast of doing that. I hope you found this enjoyable if you have any questions, please reach out, okay? Go to clearpicturefinancial.com, enter in your information, and you will hear from someone on our team that will reach out, have an initial conversation with you, and schedule a meeting with either me or Andy, or sometimes both, okay? Depending on the complexity of your situation. We're here to help. Look forward to talking with you soon. Be well. Be well.